Welcome to episode 316 of Crack the Customer Code, where customer experience athletes train for peak performance. Adam, I have a question for you. Yes, Jim. Have you ever woken up at 4 a.m. on Black Friday and found yourself in a very crowded Toys R Us parking lot hoping against hope that they have whatever you're looking for for your kid. Let's assume for a minute that I haven't because I haven't. <laughs> um, but I do know that is a common experience for many people, including perhaps you, Jeannie. Well, it used to be. It used to be. And I actually first experienced it as an aunt um, before I had children. And my sister and I would do that and I would help her with her shopping. And it was insanity. And I thought all those people were crazy. And then once I became a parent, I realized, oh my gosh, I totally get it. Because if you can save 50 bucks on the hot toy and actually get it and feel like a hero, it's kind of a thrill. And you're willing to get up at 4 a.m. and, you know, go do that. See, but, this, is, this is a rookie mistake, Jeannie. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay, tell okay, me. Okay, because you've... You've decided to play a certain role. As an aunt or an uncle, you have roles. You decided to be the cool aunt or I aunt. totally did. I okay, totally see, did. If you had chosen the role of, I'm going to be the one that shows you the real world because your mom spoils you or your dad spoils you, if you'd chosen that role as an aunt or an uncle, then you would have been like, look, here are two sticks, play in the yard with them like I did. And you nice. wouldn't have had to get up at four in the morning and go oh, to that well. room. But then I would have missed this experience. That's true. Well, I tell you what, this is all about Toys R Us and growing up when we did. I mean, this brand has been a part of our lives and as part of yeah. our children, the next generation's lives. And unfortunately, it's so sad when this happens, uh, but we're going to talk about the business part behind it. Uh, they are most likely going away and talking about 30,000 employees, 735 stores and um yeah, that's a that's a big hit for a lot of families, and it's mm -hmm. tough. But we're going to talk a little bit about, well, could they have survived? Is there anything they could have done? Well, and I think when I when I look back at my experience, one of the things that happened, which everybody's talking about and making the assumption about, is that you know I could save myself as a parent with a few clicks two days before a birthday, and have the toy that I want at a reasonable price delivered to my doorstep to make sure that, you know, I could still earn that street cred in my own house. <laughs> <laughs> street cred. Cool auntie um, cred. <laughs> and I think before when Amazon and Walmart and some of these were not always reliable about sending things on time, this was still an option for a lot of people. But now they're so darn good at it. I mean, you order it and it pretty much arrives when you want it to. Yep. I and can't. You don't have to do it at four in the morning. They're, they're, I mean, work, they're doing it at four in the morning for you. Right. <laughs> Things right. Exactly. Flying from Toledo to, you know, Kansas mm -hmm. for you at 430 in the morning, but you're sleeping. And right. That's what's cool. And, you know, that's one of the things I learned sort of reading the articles about uh, the downfall of Toys R Us. I did not know this, but the second thing that Amazon went into after books was toys. It was the next mm. product they they added. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, it's logical because 
one of the really challenging things for toys and for Toys R Us is you really don't care about experiencing the toy in the store. You don't need to try it on. You don't need to do this and that. You really don't need to, right? It's sort of your point. If I can get the cool, uh, the cool toy for my niece and it's there in time for the holidays, I'm happy. Right. Well, and I think part of that is Amazon really found ways to let people experience it so that they had a comfort level. That's where all the reviews came in and all of the unboxing videos and all of those things so that (laughs) you can kind of experience it before. And in fact, some of the best independent toy stores are all about the come in the store and experience it. But that's with things like, you know, when you've got a toddler and they have a wooden train table set up and you notice the toddler is suddenly obsessed with it. It's like the parent has that aha moment and says, I need every wooden train toy you have in the store. And that's not necessarily something you would look for on Amazon, but the independent stores, they have ramped up the idea of experience. And I think Toys R Us kind of missed that. They really didn't see the connection between that hands-on experience. I mean, look at Lego. Their stores are amazing. I was just about to bring up Lego, but the catch is Lego is dedicated to their own brand and their own product, all of which are similar, all of which Mm -hmm. follow a pattern that can be explored. You know, Toys R Us is a mass merchandiser for toys. Right. And it simply is shelves and shelves of different toys from different manufacturers. So to figure out how to do an experience and to work with manufacturers to know what new toys are coming, mm-hmm. what the, are the manufacturers creating those experiences for Toys R Us or do they not care because Walmart mm-hmm. and Amazon are still selling their toys? It doesn't, they don't necessarily need Toys R Us. If, if their sales are the same, it's just coming from a different spot and their margins are the same, the manufacturers may not care as much. Right, right. Uh, and so, uh, so, yeah, so it's really difficult. Go ahead. But I, I do think they missed the boat here because if, you know, I've been to a Toys R Us within the last five years, and it wasn't a pleasant experience. They don't have – it was a big, you know, kind of nondescript experience where you're looking for a specific thing. A lot of the inventory and shelves were not – organized the right way. There aren't people really trying to help you make a great decision. It was very much an experience, a transactional experience. When I compare that to the little independent store we have here, where everybody goes at the last minute to get a birthday gift on the way to the party, I assume, just because I do that, (laughs) but I'm assuming (laughs) everybody does that. But part of it is they wrap at this store. They wrap the gift. That's huge. That's a little thing that's enormous for parents. Toys they R Us also, didn't wrap? Pardon me? Toys R Us didn't wrap? I don't know. They, I haven't been to a Toys R Us in 20 years. So. Uh, they may have for certain things, but it wasn't really part of the offering when you were just checking out. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And there there were also things like for, um, for the holidays, this store in town, it's called Geppetto's. It's really a great store. They actually will keep things around the holidays until you're ready to pick them up. So you can buy the the toys. They'll kind of stash them. And they basically say, we have a closet just for Santa here. (laughs) And you can, you know, so if you're worried about that in your house, they do all sorts of events. They have really hands-on toys so that they put them out so that the 
kids can do them. And I think that they also have incredibly knowledgeable people. So you can walk in and say, I'm going to a 10-year-old girl's birthday party. She's really into sports. I have no idea what to get her. And they'll be like, oh, you know what's really cool is this outdoor toy that we just got. You can play it with friends or by yourself or whatever. And it feels like you are you are going there because they've earned your trust. With Toys R Us, it was always transactional. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. And so I think if they as a store had thought about that a little bit more, had invested in that idea a little bit more, they could have had something that that kind of built on the nostalgia. Because that's what everybody's talking about now is, oh my gosh, we grew up with Toys R Us and it was such a big thing and Jeffrey the giraffe and all of that. <laughs> and they never hey, look, really built on that. I mean, hey, FAO Schwartz in Manhattan, whoever thought that would go away, you know, gone. It's true. But it's true. I think you listen to how you're describing the smaller stores that you've experienced. It's actually... I'm sort of seeing that Toys R Us's fit in that thing that we've talked about so many times. It's really stuck in the middle. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll give a little background on that. So first of all, they have been losing since 1998. I mean, one, one thing I always hesitate is don't just assume, okay, it's Amazon. Okay, it's the technology revolution. It's definitely a part of it. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, but 1998 on, Walmart's been beating them on toys. Yeah. And that's way before, you know, Everybody was buying online and all that. Mm-hmm. Next, in 2005, they were because they were already having issues. Uh, they went private, so they got had a leverage buyout and actually mm-hmm. became a private company. And they've been servicing debt of five billion dollars, four hundred million a year debt service a year. Wow! Wow! So, yeah, uh, add that to your balance sheet, right? <laughs> or your income statement? Excuse me. <laughs> Technically, uh, so th- those are two little factors, and then. You know, when this is where I think that middle piece comes in. So when they made the announcement, they basically blamed Amazon, Walmart and Mm -hmm. Target. And Mm -hmm. how they blamed them, though, was interesting. They said, we only sell toys and have to make a profit on toys. For those three, toys are actually a loss leader. They're selling them at at a price point that we can't even make a profit. So that's where the middle's getting squeezed. They really aren't even a mass merchandiser in a way compared to the big three because the big three can actually just get you as a customer mm-hmm. <laughs> basically taking a loss on those toys. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I thought that, w- that was really fascinating. And I think it fits into the discussion we've had so many times and to what you were just saying, which is, okay, it's price and selection. Or it's a personalized, convenient experience. Right. Well, convenience can be both ways because online ordering. But, you know, it's a personalized mm-hmm. experience that's just more than just buying a box and all these yeah. types of things. And they you know, they really seem they, they got stuck in the middle. They did. Well, and I don't think they noticed soon enough. And this is the, the story we keep talking about in customer experience as well is like nobody picks up their head and looks around and says, wait a second, if everybody is doing this kind of shopping, even if it's not in our industry, won't that catch up to us until it's already caught up to them? (laughs) So I think that's part of it too, is they didn't really innovate around what they were doing until it was almost too late. Well, and that's a great point because one of the things, if you look at their sort of digital adaptation, right? Mm -hmm. when do we see that coming and when did we try to fix it and how did we try to fix it? They, I mean, they started doing things like having QR codes that pop up a video and all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. 
but it was just too late, really. And yeah. I think part of it is they started doing that about a year ago. Oh. Huh. Wow. And if QR you look codes at a year ago, awesome. <laughs> well, QR codes that led to a videos, or right? Whatever, but I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the catch. That is truly, yeah, that's the technology from four or five years ago, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now everybody, now it's a whole different. <laughs> now it's like right. a virtual store, and AI is where you should be headed, right? Uh, but in the, if you look at the company we talked about a few times, which is Sephora, they've Yay. been, yeah, I know you love <laughs> Sephora, you. But one of the th- interesting things about Sephora is they have a similar dynamic for the most part. Right. You really don't have to go in the store for those products. Right. There's not a lot of upside to going in the store. And so they've been able to adapt by being really ahead of the curve and mm-hmm. doing all kinds of things with digital. And uh, we'll try to find our old episodes on Sephora and link them in the show notes so we don't yep. have to rehash that. But you know, they've done, they, they have been up on it since early. Well, and I I can attest that, you know, their app, Sephora's app, it offers you what you would actually get in the store. So, for instance, you can, quote unquote, try on makeup with the selfie cam. And that has had me buy things um, from the app where I'm like, oh, I, I guess I didn't know that I need dramatic false eyelashes for you know Jeannie, i can tell you from personal experience you always need dramatic false eyelashes no matter what you're doing they're always i open. know and i still haven't done anything with them <laughs> truth be told but, <laughs> but did i order them yes i did <laughs> and so i think i think like that's where that's the bridge that just wasn't crossed with toys r us it was very much about we're a store we're these and also they're they're uh, footprints, their physical footprints were pretty ginormous in most cases. So there's a whole bunch going into that too. And so they have these big box stores and not a lot else. And, and I think and they just $400 million missed- in debt service. Right. Well, yeah, sure. That's something too. Well, well, right. Because how do you, all right. So if you're servicing that debt and you're already having declining sales, all right. How do you invest in being right. the, le- the technology leader? Good. Very good question. I don't know. Right. Luckily, so, I, mean, I don't have that much debt. <laughs> That's a good thing, Jeannie. Because <laughs> you know, you, you got a great business and all, but yeah, that that might be a little a little challenging. <laughs> well, anyways, I am certainly sad to see Toys R Us go, and I'm certainly even more so sad to see all the families and jobs affected by it. But hopefully, there are lessons to be learned from this, and hopefully, we're helping to explore it and learn them. There we go. Everybody keep learning. That's our that's our message. We're, and don't go into debt. That's the other one. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, know, you know me. I've got I've got my own saying on that, so which is uh, when times are good it's called leverage, when times are bad it's called debt. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, we hope you leverage this episode Ooh, in the nice. right way. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to crack the customer code we are a proud member of the c-suite radio family if you like c-suite radio don't forget there's c-suite tv where you can watch in-depth interviews with business content for c-suite leaders and entrepreneurs it's all on demand at c-suite i'm Jeannie walters and you can learn more about me and our customer experience investigation consulting at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Tepork, and you can see me wearing Jeannie's fake eyelashes and learn more <laughs> about me at our customer service workshops and training at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.